Great to be with you all. Blessings to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to continue to worship as we open up God's Word. Let's remember why we do this. We open up God's Word um, because uh, it's where we learn about Jesus. The Bible is God's good word to us, His true word to us about Jesus. And what we learn about uh, is not only about Christ, but also what He calls us to as His church in terms of loving God, yes, first and foremost, loving God, but also loving neighbor, and that's what we're learning about today. We're in a series of renewal. Today's the last, last Sunday in our series of renewal, and then we're jumping back into 1 Corinthians. Remember at one point we were doing that as a church? And so we'll get back to 1 Corinthians uh, starting next week. Uh, but today we look at the fifth and final image of renewal. We've been looking, uh, asking the question, you know, if the Holy Spirit is transforming this church, renewing this church, what does it look like? What are the images we should be seeing? And we said we should see a group of people growing in passion for Christ, having an honest and humble heart of repentance away from sin. We should see a people devoted to God's word personally, but also together as a community. Uh, we should see last week, right, uh, a church that loves doctrine. Doctrine matters. And the pulpit is still on fire from last week. Man, Doug Fern brought the heat from God's word last week. And, uh, such a joy to hear about how doctrine matters. Last week was uh, Romans 12, 1 to 2, doctrine, what we believe as Christians, how it ought to transform us as we in view of God's mercies. Today is Romans 12, 3 to 16. Doug, in his sermon, made the point that doctrine is for living. And so we kind of pivot away from doctrine towards, okay, now what does that living look like? If Christians understand true doctrine, how should we live? Romans 12, 3 to 16 answers that question. This is a really important question because, um, you know, there's a lot of young people you know, leaving the church in droves, and one of the main reasons oftentimes young people leave the church is because they hear about Jesus and his love with their ears, but then they look around the church community they're a part of, and they're not seeing that love with their eyes. And it's, that's why love, love matters, because the Lord Jesus has called us to be a people of love. And so if you're here today and that's maybe one of the, the areas of, of skepticism or doubt that you have about Christianity, I hope what you see from Romans 12 is that Jesus himself provides resources for the church to actually grow up into a community that has that type of humility, that posture of love towards one another. So that's what we're learning. Romans 12, it's all about a church pursuing humility and love. If church is in renewal, it will be a church that pursues humility and love. I know we read the whole passage, but I just can't help myself. i got to read a portion of God's word before I preach it. It's just everything to me. So Romans 12, 3 to 16. I'm just going to kind of go from 3 to 6 and then 9 to 11. Hear now the word of the Lord for us here at Parkview. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Having gifts, verse 6, that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. This is God's word. It is true. It's given to us in love. Please pray with me. 
Father, we ask every week, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would exalt Jesus from this text into our hearts for your glory, that you would shape and fashion us into a humble community, into a loving community. Lord, make us a people radiant and passionate with Christ-exalting love for one another. Lord, I think of 1 Corinthians 16. May all we do, everything we do as a church, may it be done in love. In love. Lord, what could you do in Iowa City and Johnson County and globally with a church here at Parkview? Earnest to love one another as Christ your Son has loved us. This is what we long for. We want to see the beauty of Jesus displayed in this place. We want to see it, Lord, through our beautiful human relationships of love. Take us there by your Holy Spirit's power, we pray. Amen. Parkview, I want you to think for a few moments, reflect on your own life, and think about the primary factors that helped you become a Christian. Why are you a Christian today? What were the factors that helped you become a Christian? If you're not a Christian, you're not yet there, uh, that's great. Uh, maybe spend this time just to think about who Jesus is. But if you are a Christian, spend a few moments just reflecting. What were the primary factors the Lord used to help you kind of cross the line of faith into his kingdom? Here's my assumption, was as you were thinking, 95% of us, maybe 100% of us, probably just thought about two factors primarily the Lord used in order to draw us into faith in Christ. Now, there might be actually probably multiple different factors, but they're probably under these two categories, okay? Gospel culture, gospel doctrine. Gospel doctrine and gospel culture. What do I mean by that, okay? By gospel doctrine, I mean this. At some point, you heard with your ears the truth about Jesus, and it made sense to you, and it gripped your heart, and it clarified things in your mind, and you just, you, were th you thought, yes, that, that, that must be true. You heard of his perfect life of love, Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross on our behalf, bearing our punishment. You heard about his physical resurrection three days later from the dead, and how all of this is given to us accurately and reliably in the Bible, eyewitness testimony in Scripture, God's Word. We heard doctrine at some point, and we, we believe it was true. Yet, not just gospel doctrine, the good news of Christ, but also culture. And here I'm not referring to what we, you know, we say, like the phrase, like, American culture. It's not what I'm talking about. What I mean by culture is the relational environment, Okay? A community of relationships, how people interact together, culture. Gospel culture, meaning someone not only spoke words from their lips about the love of Jesus, but through their life, or a group of people, through their lives together, through their relationships together, and especially their relationship towards you, they loved you into the kingdom of Jesus. Gospel doctrine, gospel culture. You hear the gospel with your ears, that's doctrine, and you see it with your eyes and how, how Christians interact together in relationship, gospel culture. My story of faith in Jesus is just that. I grew up in a great church, 
Um, really strong church that was very clear, especially for little kids, teaching doctrine to little kids from a young age. So I learned about Jesus, and as I learned about Jesus from the Bible, I thought, uh, duh, and it just made sense. What Jesus was talking about made sense of my life, how I viewed other people, etc. At the very same time, I saw the love of Jesus I was learning in my church or hearing about in the, in the church. I was seeing it with my eyes every day with my mom and dad. My mom and dad are just ordinary Christians, but they just loved me into Jesus. I have wonderful parents, and I know that's not the story of everyone here, but for me, that's, that's the way God's story worked in my life. And so I saw the love of Jesus demonstrated in the relationships of my parents and the way that they forgave me, the way that they were gentle towards me, the way that they were patient towards me. So when I heard about Jesus' doctrine, it made sense to me because I saw it in relationship on the ground in my life. Gospel doctrine, gospel culture. And here's why this matters, okay? Here's why this matters. What we're talking about this morning is not some secondary matter on Jesus's agenda for the church. It is not a footnote to an otherwise good church that just teaches doctrine. A church can betray the gospel it preaches by a unhealthy, angry, harmful, anti-gospel culture. Our relationships as Christians with one another are just as crucial to a church and to the witness of the gospel as a faithful proclamation of the gospel. Jesus himself says this as a matter of, mo of utmost urgency in his mission. John 13, here Jesus is. He is just a little bit away from crucifixion. So in his last speech to his disciples, what does he talk about? He says things like this, John 13. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. He says it again in chapter 15. Love one another as I have loved you. So what Romans 12 is talking about here, Romans 12 is just giving a snapshot of what gospel culture looks like, is not a secondary thing. It's not a footnote. It is utterly crucial for Parkview Church to grasp as we move forward in this season of renewal. If we forsake what Romans 12 talks us, to, uh, talks us about, uh, it doesn't matter how much we preach Romans 1 to 11. We can be a great church all about Romans 1 to 11. If we don't live out Romans 12 to 16, something's gone terribly wrong in our witness. And so, gospel culture. What does it look like? It's a church embracing humility and love. Humility and love. Okay, that's what it is. Just two things, humility and love. Let's look at humility, okay? A humble community. Verse 3. Look at verse 3 where Paul defines what humility is, okay? You notice there he says, everyone, every person, everyone in the church must not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but with sober, honest judgment. Honest assessment. Okay, to assess himself, it says, verse 3, according to the faith God has assigned. Meaning, the God-given capacity to bless his church with our gifts. And we can see this then spelled out in verses 4 to 8. Okay, Verse uh, 4, Paul picks up this image of the body with many members. He talks about this in 1 Corinthians and elsewhere in the New Testament. Verse 4, for as in one body we have many members, many parts, and the members do not all have the same function. So we individually, members, belong together in the one body of Christ. And so according to verse 3 then, humility is a right assessment of yourself in light of how God has gifted you individually to bless the wider community. It's rightly understanding how you fit 
into the overall whole of what God is doing in a local church. We see this again in verse six, verses 6 to 8. A humble community in action. It says that we have gifts that differ from one another according to God's grace. But then get this, right? Let us use them. Let us use them. Whether it's the more public gifts, such as prophecy or teaching or kind of or leadership. He says leadership with zeal. Or behind the scenes gifts such as serving or generosity. The issue here, Paul, is not trying to give a, you know, spiritual uh, inventory of all the gifts you could possibly have, because elsewhere in the New Testament, he gives different gifts, okay? The focus of this passage, what Paul's trying to say, is this. No matter our gifts, we are called, verse 6, to use our gifts, to put them into practice, to bless the whole community. For by doing so, that is what humility does. Verse 3, rightly understanding how God has gifted you, and then employing those gifts to bless others. Okay? And this is why it's so crucial. Because in a local church, there's two dangers simultaneously in any local church. And verses 3 to 8 help us resist these dangers. Okay? On the one hand is apathy. On the one hand is apathy, or kind of passive observation. Verse 3 says, everyone is part of this body, verse 5, many members individually gifted, and therefore exhorted, everyone exhorted to use your gifts to bring benefit to the whole community, verses 6 to 8. Everyone in a body, a whole church, everyone using their gifts to bless, to bless others. Okay? So therefore, it's inescapable from God's word that if you are a Christian, if you are someone who claims to follow Jesus, but you are not a committed member serving in an area of need in your church, something has gone wrong in your discipleship. There is a massive gap between what God's word calls normal Christianity, every member using their gifts to bless other members, and how you're living your life. And the solution is not primarily to take a spiritual gifts inventory. That stuff can be helpful to a certain point. The primary thing you probably need to do is talk to Doug Fern or talk to one of the elders or talk to someone, a leader like Aiden or someone who's up front and simply ask, where is there a need in this community and how can I help? Because then what will happen is as you get busy helping and serving whatever need it is, even if you feel like this is not my special gifting area, you'll learn over time as you just help others where your gifts, what your gifts really are. So instead of just by yourself in your room on the internet clicking yes or no to if you have this gift or whatever, just get busy serving people here at Parkview Church. And over time, the Holy Spirit in the midst of a community will say, hey, you're really wonderful at X, Y, or Z. And someone who loves you enough will say, you're not so good at that, you know. And so it just happens over time. But the point is this. Uh, a church is always tempted towards apathy when the majority of the work is done by only a fraction of the people. But according to the New Testament, a healthy church is all hands on deck, everyone participating in different ways, using their gifts to build up the body of Christ. And this can look in different ways, whether it's a more structured way of helping with kids' ministry every Sunday on a weekly basis, or more kind of a relational organic way where you're meeting up for coffee with someone in your community group just to read a psalm once a week and then pray about it and confess into each other or over Zoom, whatever it looks like. There are different ways this looks, but one thing is for certain. 
God's word. I'm not talking, as a, this is not my pastoral opinion of what could be helpful. I'm just restating God's word and the expectation of Jesus Christ for every single one of us who call Parkview Church home. It is that we are called to use our gifts for the sake of blessing this church and helping others know Jesus and grow in Jesus. Apathy. On the other hand, the other temptation of a local church is an atmosphere of competition. Competition never fits in a Christian community because we are to think of our gifts not horizontally on comparing ourselves with others. I wish I was more gifted like she is or I am probably more gifted than he is. And when we look horizontally when it comes to gifts, that's the problem. What verse 3 calls us to is to think of your gift as God-given vertically down from heaven above to earth below and just get busy serving others. And here's the cool freedom that this calls us to as a church. It allows us to not be so nitpicky and judgmental on who has what gift and blah, 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 and this and that and the other. It allows us the freedom just to start celebrating each other. And to point out, hey, I love you, brother, and here's how I see you at work. Sister, you have been at work doing this to the children or whatever it is, and just honor each other. It allows a church to stop freaking out and to be, just relax and just enjoy how the Lord is at work among one another and to identify that. Wow, could you imagine? I mean, does Iowa City need anything more than a church where uh, the primary way we speak to each other is not one of harm or competition or whatever, or one-upmanship, but it's one of just life and honor and encouragement. Wow, all right. The difference looks like this. In an apathetic community, the question in your heart is, does this church meet my needs? In a humble community, the question is, what needs does this church have that I can meet? In a competitive community, the question is, are my gifts better than her gifts? Or are my gifts more valuable than his gifts? Which only leads to discouragement if they are not and pride if they are. In a humble community of cooperation where each person is given a diverse set of gifts from the Lord Jesus above to people on earth below, the question is this, how can I celebrate other people's gifts? How can I empower a brother and sister in Christ to use their gifts? Okay, this is why I love East Campus. I was like, I can't wait to get to this point in my sermon. Okay, I said this at Central, but even more so right now, East Campus. Wow, you guys are doing this. Okay, Aiden, where are you, brother? I love you so much, and here's why. You know, isn't it just amazing what's happening here on Sunday? A diverse group of people using their gifts to bless the body. You're just obeying (laughs) verse 3 to 8. You're amazing. All right. Also, college gathering, this is happening all the time at Parkview. I just want to spend a few moments here. Just let's, let's just have fun, okay? Where is the Lord at work by the Holy Spirit, empowering his people, use their gifts? Recently, uh, Wednesday nights, is a college gathering at Central Campus, and there's a multitude of different uh, college students. It was all led by students this week, which was un- uh, unusual for us. And we just said, hey, here it is, have fun. And whoa. They just had so much fun. It was awesome. And so we had one of our students welcoming others using their gift of hospitality and another student teaching uh, about rest from God's word, another student declaring their testimony, what Jesus is at work in their life. I mean, it was was so fun. And uh, one person I want to point out, Joseph. Joseph here is from the UK. Uh, He's from the University of Bath. And uh, I love you, brother. You, you've been such a blessing to this community. You've come, it could have been easy for you to sit back, relax, and just observe everything, but you've just gone all in, and you've been such a blessing to so many of our students. I love you for that, bro. 
Um, you know, where else is happening? Suit ministry. Lindsay, sorry, I never asked you permission, but you're awesome. And the way that you're discipling uh, those young women, you're just doing fantastic. I mean, guys, here's what's happening. The Holy Spirit right now at Parkview Church is throwing a super fun gospel party all in honor of Jesus. And the question is this. You're invited in, so will you bring your gift to the party? Why would you not? You're missing out on the great joy of being used by the Spirit for the sake of blessing this church for the glory of Christ. It is so much fun. All right, great. Number one, a humble community. That's the first mark of a gospel culture. Humble community, just using our gifts and just blessing each other in the Lord Jesus, helping each other know Christ and grow up in Christ. Okay. Number two, number two is a loving community. Church growing in humility, church growing in Love. That's what a gospel culture is. There are many aspects to uh, verses 9 to 16 we could talk about. There's 18 commands, so I am not going to go and give like 17 applications for each. Okay? What we're going to do is we're just going to uh, just kind of see the overall shape of, of this passage. Okay? In a gospel culture, the main thing happening in verses 9 to 16, where we hear about the love of Jesus doctrine, but we see it with our eyes in our relationships, verse 9 to 16 show us this that every person in a church ought to have active and affectionate love for others in the community. That's what Romans 9.16 commands all of us to. To have active and affectionate love for one another in this community. I mean, look at verse 9, right? The first thing it says, let love be genuine. Uh, in the original, the Greek text, uh, it said love. That's the first, basically, the first word of verse 9. The love. So what we understand then as readers is everything from love down the, all the way through 16 to the end of the chapter, it's just giving you examples of what love looks like. It's just different forms of love. So active love, verse 13, love contributes to the needs of the saints. Love identify where human need is and is eager to meet and help and bless that, that need. Verse 14, Bless those who persecute you. A church that's understanding that when Jesus was crucified, he was forgiving those crucifying him. A church that understands that is willing to bless and pray for those who persecute them. Verse 16, it says we ought to live in harmony with one another. Where the relationship of shalom and peace the Lord's given us characterizes our relationships. But, but overall, right, an active church who knows Jesus is always having a magnet towards human need. That's what active love does. It looks, has a radar out all the time on where is their need in this church? Where is someone struggling? Where is someone hurt? How can I help? What can I do right now to serve this church? Active love. But also, not just what we do outwardly, but affectionate love. Verse 9, let love be genuine. The real deal. Sincerity of heart. Verse 9, hating what is evil abhorring what is evil, clinging to what is good, celebrating and honoring what is good. Uh, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection by showing honor to one another. Let's just practice this right now. Ronnie, where are you? Eh, you're right there. Hey, I love you, brother. Here's why I want to honor you right now. You're a shepherd, and I've just been amazed as I've been able to spend more time with you in the past couple weeks. Um, the depth of love that you have for other people is remarkable. And so you're a man worthy of honor. And I'm so thankful for you. And we can all do little things like that. We can all, Jesus invites all of us into something like that. Verse 15, love is sympathetic. It rejoices with those who rejoice. It weeps with those who weep. I mean, just think of it. All of us have an iPhone or whatever the non-iPhone is. And uh, you can use your iPhone this week. And you can call a brother or sister here 
and call them and have a conversation that starts something like, hey, brother, you told me about your mom two weeks ago and she's been struggling. You know, are you doing okay? How can I, how can I help you? Can I, can I pray for you right now? Or, hey, sister, you know, you've been on my mind. Um, just wondering how you're doing, you know, and, and just see what the Holy Spirit does with simple acts of love where we're rejoicing with those who rejoice because maybe one of your friends in the parking is just feeling the blessing of the Lord right now. Yeah! Excitement! Some of them are suffering, and we get a chance to suffer alongside with them. That is what the Lord Jesus has done for us. He is the rejoicing Savior. He is the weeping Savior, and so we get to embody that in our relationships with one another. very simple question is this. Who can you love this week? Who can you love this week? Now, I want to take this vision of love just one level deeper. And this is kind of the, the last point here. And then we're going to spend some time just praying so, slowly. Just what's the Lord been revealing during this? There's a lot of commands here. There's one thing specific the Lord's been speaking to you. I am guaranteeing it. And so we're going to pray. But, but before we get there, I just want us to look at verse 11. I fell in love <laughs> with verse 11 this week. Notice the emotional temperature of a gospel culture of love. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Other translations say, uh, be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. <gasps> Serve the Lord. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Serve the Lord. So here in the middle of this great passage of love, this joyous, amazing passage of love, it has this this amazing verse that's talking about serving the Lord with all of our hearts. And how do we serve the Lord with all of our hearts? As Christians, we're like, I want that. The answer is 9 through 16. By loving one another with all of our hearts. By, through the Holy Spirit's power, zealously loving, affectionately loving, going all in in our love for one another. Apathetic, lazy, half-hearted love has no room in the church of Jesus. No room. Why? Because of who Jesus is. Because of how he has loved us. He came from heaven to earth and turned the volume of love to max. And he's all in in his commitment to us. Jesus is not a slothful, half-hearted savior. He loved you till death and back again. He's gone all in for you, and therefore, the church he creates goes all in for one another. Our Lord was not crucified to death to create a country club atmosphere of niceness and politeness. No thank you. Not in Jesus Christ. He was crucified and poured out his very Holy Spirit to empower us here at Parkview Church to be a people of affectionate, zealous, passionate love for one another. If you love the Lord Jesus with all your heart, you will love your fellow brother and sister with every fiber of your being. And this means, Parkview, that we must resist a culture of spiritual consumerism where our individual needs are the ultimate concern and the passive observation of lazy boy Christianity is crucified at the cross of the full-hearted love of Jesus Christ. And instead, we grab our cleats we put on our helmet. We get on the field because it's game time. And all of us are playing. No spectators. Get off the sideline. Get in the field. Let's go for Christ. That is what the Lord Jesus has called us to. And it's everyone. Everyone is called to this at Parkview Church. If you are a breathing Christian, you must be a loving Christian. 
What does this look like? Well, Sunday morning, it looks like this. Sunday morning, could you imagine if every single one of us, right, we're talking about everyone here, everyone in this room and online especially, we love you, you're in on this, okay? This is what we're called to on Sunday morning at Parkview Church, pray. Ask God to draw newcomers. Prepare their hearts. Draw them to Christ. Ask God to prepare your heart to know Jesus. And then think. Read the text beforehand. Get ready to hear God's word preached. Speak. Whoa, could you imagine if it became normal everyday behavior for every person at Parkview Church after a Sunday sermon to walk up to another brother and sister in Christ and to have a non-awkward, normal conversation that looks something like this. Hey, wow, okay, here's what I just learned about Jesus from this sermon. Blah, 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 blah. That's how we, that's a simple way of loving one another as we just talk about Christ together. Little kids, you're in on this. There's one way you can love your mom and dad this week. There's got to be one way. Just express one thing you love about mom or dad. Junior high and high school, um, your friends, they're lost in a sea of loneliness and despair. COVID is making it worse. You get to love your friends. Reach out to one friend, use your iPhone or the non-iPhone thingy that you have, and just call them and say, hey, what's up, bro, or sis, or whatever the cool thing is nowadays, and uh, I've been thinking about you. Love them. College students, let's set the U of I campus ablaze love of Christ. Is there anything more that our equality, justice-loving campus, U of I, wants more than for men and women to dignify and honor one another and the different gifts that we have? instead of shaming and using one another as a co competitors, whoa. Singles, mom and dad at home, retired. So many of us have so many different opportunities to just love and create environments of love and kindness and gentleness in our home. It is what our kids long for most. I'll finish with this. Leadership at Parkview, staff and elders. The Holy Spirit, right? Verse 11, what does it say? Serve the Lord with zeal. Be set on fire with the Holy Spirit. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Staff and elders, it starts with us. If the Holy Spirit is going to set a fire ablaze in our congregation, it begins with the leadership. And so we need to learn whatever it looks like in our elder meetings or our staff meetings for it to not be non-weird to just show affection and love and joy and rejoicing in one another. That's what the Lord calls us to. It's not going to happen amongst the people if it's not happening with us, brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit sets our hearts on fire, and we are called to love. Parkview, I want to close with this. Think about, again, why did you become a Christian? What were the things that came to mind? Gospel doctrine, again, I assume gospel doctrine, you heard the truth about Jesus, but gospel culture... There was a person or a group of people in your life that loved you into the kingdom. You are called by Jesus to be that person towards others. And so let's head into a time of reflection. We're just going to pray through two things, okay? As you're in prayer, we're going to start with humility, okay? What's one way you can use your gifts this week or in the coming months to bless this church here at Parkview? Or do you need to talk to someone on staff that can help you start learning pathways of serving. So humility. And then round two, we'll go to love. But first, let's start with humility, spending some time just reflecting before the Lord. The question is this. How can you grow in your own personal life a culture of humility where you're using your gifts to bless others? Let's spend some time in prayer right now.
All right, let's move to part two about love. Before the Lord, just honestly bring before him who, who are the people that he has called you to love and how can you take a next step, a very simple next step to love someone this week here at Parkview Church. Pray about it now. So, Father, we ask for the Holy Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit who loves to bring the fruit of love into the church of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that we become a church, that we are humbly serving each other by using our gifts, that we become a church where growing in us is a passionate, holding nothing back, Jesus-honoring love for one another that is simply irresistible to those around us. And we pray this so that the beauty of Christ would shine forth from this congregation here in Iowa City and beyond. Amen.